Hello everybody, and as you can see, Christmas has come to Solid Ground Church, and I want to officially welcome you with Merry Christmas. So let's jump in to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Every Christmas, we would all gather around the Christmas tree, and my grandpa would read that passage, and he would read even more than that, which felt like an eternity uh, to me, because we would read that before we opened Christmas presents. But I remember about that childhood home. It just felt magic. And I've been thinking about this Christmas season and and about the concept of home. And so many people want to be home for Christmas. There's the famous song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which has such an ache in it that you can count on me. I'll I'll be home for Christmas. And uh, we're going to explore what that's like, uh, our our home here uh, in this earth Uh, the eternal home that we have waiting for us. And I hope you'll be back with us uh, all all until Christmas uh, as we explore this this concept. Uh, So I want to start out with that question. What is home? About 10 years ago, some researchers started asking people all all over the world in different ages and stages, what is home? And their findings came out that that home for people is where they feel attached, comfortable, and secure. It didn't, uh, it didn't come down to necessarily a place. It just happened to be that that was a place or that was a group of people where they felt comfort, attachment, and security. And here we have in this passage, this famous uh, opening narrative of the, the story of Jesus's birth, we see Joseph taking Mary to his ancestral home. I don't know if that's really where he felt comfortable, safe, and attached, but that's where he had to go because the government was, was making them all go to their ancestral homes so they could be counted. And then Christmas still is the season where people travel. And where do they go? Most people are traveling home. And this year, we're expecting almost pre-pandemic levels of traveling at airports. If you're near LAX, just... Oh, bless you. I mean, if you have to go there over, over the Christmas break to travel home. Uh, but, but this season, as we're ex- exploring um, why people desire to be home and the way they come home and how to be home, today I want us to explore what our home was with God's dream, with the first man and first woman God created. I want us to, to, to form our thoughts around that here for just a few minutes In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 
Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this is humanity's first home. And when the man was made, I want, I want us to take a look at actually when the man was made. And I found some interesting, interesting help from our Jewish brothers and sisters in the Talmud. And I'd never come across this before, but they have a, a they have, there's like 10 reasons why, uh, why the first man was made when the first man was made. And I thought some of them were interesting and we could borrow a couple of those uh, the, uh, in our time together today. He made the first man after all the, all the animals and all the planets and everything so that the man wouldn't forget and think that he helped to make everything. God made humans when he did to keep us humble. And I love this thought from, from the Jewish perspective. The, the man and woman were made last so that the first thing that they would do was enjoy the Sabbath with their creator. I really liked that. They could look around and, and, and bask in all of the beauty and bounty in God's created universe. And God saved humans uh, for, the, for the last, saved the best for last, because our last works should always be best. I thought that those were interesting perspectives. And also, uh, let's take a look at how the man was made. There was consultation there. Up until that point, God was saying, let there be light, let there be this, let there be that, let there be all these creatures. But before, in Genesis 1, the man and woman were made, there was consultation. Let us make humankind, let us make mankind in our own image. It was made on purpose. It was made differently. And how the man was provided for. Like there was, there was everything that humans needed. And I talk about feeling safe and secure that it was all there and in this in this place um, we have we have two different accounts in in this uh, in in this account of how um, humans were made and, and in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 it says then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and to all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So, in the first home, God created for people. There was something that was not good. The first time God ever uttered, this is not good, is when he saw Adam alone. And he's, I love picturing this, God bringing all of these animals and livestock and no, no, there was no connection there. Yes, there was, there was good, pure work that was enjoyable for Adam and he was there to tend the garden and take care of all of the animals, but he, he was alone. And God said, this is not good. It reminds me of my favorite Christmas movie, uh, Home Alone, when Kevin is accidentally left at home and at first he's running all around and eating just bags of candy and bags of junk food and running around the house and pretending like he's shaving. And there's that famous scene where he puts aftershave on his face and the little kid screams. But after a while, being home alone, just doesn't do it for Kevin. And he starts aching for even his imperfect community, his older brothers and sisters and cousins that pick on him, as the, the aunts and uncles and his parents that aren't paying attention to him. He learned that he couldn't make it on his own. And Adam, was, I believe Adam was shown that he needed community. He needed not just romance, not just the, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. If, if you're looking to like, really kindle the romance in your, your relationship, maybe try that one out. Hey, baby, you are bone of my bone. Try it. Let us, uh, let us know in the comments how that works for you. But not just the romance part, but logistically, like it was a very practical thing. Adam needed help. He couldn't do everything alone. The need for community is in our DNA. And I love uh, there's, there's so much in these passages that we've read today. We could take weeks and weeks to unpack it all. But maybe that part stuck out to you right at the very end of the Genesis 2 passage, that they were naked and unashamed. Why does that matter? And I've heard pastors and, and different theologians unpack that and talk about the need for, for vulnerability in relationships. And it works great for marriage. It works great for, for regular relationships that we need to be vulnerable. Talk, uh, we can talk about how, how shame is toxic and it's no good for us. But th- it matters to me when you look at how the word naked was used didn't know we were going to talk about that word so much this, this time together, did you? Um, you never know. Hey, the Bible's never boring. But if you look at the way the word naked is used, the rest of the places in the Bible, it usually has to do with being poor, being destitute, being just at the end of your rope. But even there at the beginning, in the home God created, there was no shame. There was no being poor. There was no being destitute. There's just the state of innocence and wonder. So this matters to me. 
and, and stick with me here. It might be hard to connect these dots. This matters because there are so many poor substitutes for community out there. There's false images of, oh, if I just had different friends, if I just had friends that appreciated the pure genius that lives within me, then my life would be better. If I just had friends that noticed or were as thoughtful as I was, or uh, there's false images of, of home and community out there. I mean, Pinterest, as wonderful as it is, can really be depressing sometimes. You're like, oh, I can't bake like that. I can't play games with my kids like that. Not my, uh, what am I even doing with my life? Well, those Pinterest images of home and family and, and crafts, those are all wonderful, but they're a poor substitute for the home that God wants us to experience, that feeling of home that God wants us to experience in our, in our life. And if we don't cultivate a healthy sense of home, God's way, my friends, you're going to be tossed all around, tossed to and fro, happy, sad, all over the place. If we're just setting our, setting our, 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 our boundaries and our compass based on what the culture around us tells us that we need in our life. I know that there's a lot of you watching today that may be thinking like, okay, I'm with you. When you say I, that we're created from community, check. I know that. When you say I need a place to be safe and secure and seen and all those things, like check, check, check. I, I want those things, but how? Like, and if that's you this morning, I'm so glad you were here. If that's you tonight, maybe you're watching this later and you've come across this YouTube video. I'm so glad that you are here. If you are lonely right now, those feelings are real. If you are not feeling secure, if you're not feeling attached, if you're not feeling like people see you and love you, I'm so glad you're here right now. And maybe I'm supposed to be a reminder to you that God sees you. I'm supposed to be a reminder that you were made on purpose and that you are not just out there floating. And maybe today can be the first step towards you realizing that you are seen and taking steps towards being attached and finding healthy community. I get those feelings. I get those feelings. And just so you know, you're not alone. Four years ago, uh, my wife and I moved to another state. And let me tell you, moving after 40 stinks. It's not all just fluffy clouds and, and automatic commu community. Like, though we were glad to come to Solid Ground Church, and it was quite literally an answer to prayer. Moving, uh, and whatever, and just different circumstances that, that life throws at you. Maybe you lose your loved ones. Maybe someone moves away from you. When you're feeling in the, in the spot of, of not feeling like you have a sense of home and community, I want to validate that for you and say, it does stink. It does, it just, it's just a rotten feeling sometimes, but it doesn't always have to be there. And in the past couple of years, just in reforming community around our family, I've learned that it takes patience, friendships uh, that have taken years and decades to, to cultivate wherever you were in a previous life situation. It takes, it takes time to form new ones. It's hard facing your fears 
going, going out and meeting new people, putting yourself out there. You could be rejected again. It's scary going like, oh, am I really going to connect with these new people? And it takes a lot of just consistency of showing up, showing up to church, showing up to those new places, showing up to work and putting yourself out there. Don't give up. And it, oh, and by the way, it does take a lot more patience. God's got you. So uh, that's a little bit of my journey of like, just saying like, hey, I know that, that you, that when you're feeling lonely, it, it is tough, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. It's a season. And this is why it's so important to be a part of the family of God. And this isn't just, this isn't just a way of saying like, hey, we want you to come here if you're not a part of our church yet, or we want you to come more often. Like this is good for you. This is good for me, getting together in person with the family of God. If you're watching this and you live really far away from Rancho Cucamonga, I challenge you, challenge you to find a life-giving, Jesus-loving local church and intentionally show up, intentionally be a part of that. If you need help finding one, we would love to help you find one. Leave us a comment down below. Send us an instant message, a, a private message. But I want to challenge you to dig in to the local church. It's definitely not the Garden of Eden. It's definitely not, uh, not always perfect. But this is such a, an opportunity for us to experience that community that God dreamed of way back in the garden. And that's the church that I see. I see it. I see the possibility for us at solid ground to be a church where community and relationships are so actively cultivated that those things we talked about, like vulnerability and honesty and acceptance, become the characteristics of, of what we're known by. And that people are growing in their, in, their, in their spiritual walk, and they're growing as people. I want this place to be, I want solid ground to be a place where you can be yourself. Or maybe if you're so mixed up right now, you can discover who God created you to be. I know how that feels too. Like this solid ground church is a place where we, we expect people to be brokenness, uh, to, be, to be broken, but also to find healing for that brokenness. It's a place where we're not all just comparing wounds and staying in that place. It's saying like, oh, I have wounds too. Here's how I was healed. Let me, let me journey with you as you find healing. This is a place where, where we don't have to program relationships. I love it when people tell me like, hey, we got together. It's not our official life group, but we all just got together. I'm like, woohoo, like that's the dream. But it takes... It takes some bravery to dig in and to find you're not going to get along with everybody automatically and just everything's perfect, but to value like community and to value like the consistent process of getting to know other people. I want us to make solid ground into a community where people, their ideas and their, their posture is, is a posture of there you are. It's quite different from walking into a room and, and I don't know any people at Solid Ground that walk into a room and say, well, here I am, you're welcome. But the, the posture is, oh, there you are, there you are, I see you. 
Tell me, it's curious. Tell me, how are, how are you doing? Tell me your story. That's what we're inviting you into. If you're, not, if you're not a part of a local church and you live close, we would love for you to be a part of this community. It's the, the most friendly church I've ever been a part of. And I see a church someday that is multi-generational, that is aware of the different generations and is respectful and loving and, and always leaning towards the next generation. We need so much more of that in our world today. If you look out on social media and the news and the different generations, oh, we don't like you, you're this generation. Oh, we don't like you, you don't get it. No, we need each other. We need the good news of Jesus going down the generations. A, a church where we eat together, we play together, we, we do stuff together, multi-generational. I've loved this season of the pandemic where our, our SG kids have been in church for worship more and more uh, a couple times a month and where, where young people see adults worshiping. They see it modeled how to be together and worship God together. I think that is so beautiful. That's what we're building here. We want you to be a part of it. With God's help, we're building a home for people, not, not a physical house, but that community where there are safe people who know God that you can be attached to, you can be seen by a, a healthy second family for people. So if you haven't been back, if you haven't been back in a while, it's time to come back. I wanna challenge you to do that. And I wanna challenge you to dig in to community in, in a local church that is close to you. So uh, let me say a prayer for you before we dismiss today. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will all give us courage um, to, to follow you, but we need help. Would you please bring uh, us brothers and sisters, um, even maybe from unexpected places, and remind us that you are the God that never leaves us and never forsakes us, never forsakes us. We need your help in this, Lord Jesus. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you, and we'll see you real soon.